You were so nice. You're one of the nicest guys that I've ever met in my life. I didn't know that you would ever be able to be nasty like is what is needed in the trenches and there at the collegiate level. How difficult was it for you to turn that off and on at the toggle in between? Um, I, I just think that's really started from high school and uh, just just really trying to get away from it each and every year. And then really, like, for me, it happened uh, my freshman year of, of college, you know, when I just got thrown in and there was no – you couldn't be nice at all. You could be nice if you cost, <laughs> you cost your team the game. Live from the streets of Washington, D.C., on the corner where sports and culture meets hip-hop. Sharing stories of the DMV and spitting fire for the whole damn country. This is First and Toll with Chad Ricardo and Darrell Bucknight. I'm Chad Ricardo. That right there is Darrell Bucknight. D, how are you feeling today, bro? I'm good. I'm good. I don't know if I'm doing as well as you're doing with your sunglasses and the, the, you got you got like a farm behind you. Like you're you're living life. I, I, I'm in lovely Hampton Beach, New Hampshire. A little uh, family vacation right now. I would uh, I, I would not be coming back just to talk to you, but we got a very very special guest in the building. It's my main man. Tell him about our guest today. Yeah, you know, Chad, it's our guy. We love this guy. It's Walter Rouse. He is one of the most high-profile and highly regarded athletes to come out of the DMV in recent years. Um, he's the true definition of what we call a student-athlete on this podcast. He's a rising senior at Stanford University out in California and is a graduate of Sidwell Friends in Washington, D.C. by way of Silver Spring, Maryland. He's a biomechanical engineering student, if I have that right. He's joining Chad and I today. And I, I may have forgot to mention he's also a star football player out at Stanford, and he was one of the best to come out of the DMV uh, during his time at Sidwell. So, Walter, welcome to the program, man. Uh, thank you very much. It's uh, great to be here, and I uh, can't wait to talk to you guys. I'm actually going to be a rising junior, not a senior. Junior. junior. You know, well, well, that's what I thought, bro. You know I mean? Darrell, I told you, I, for, for everybody watching, uh, I'm out of the studio today. So for everything that goes wrong, it's all Darrell's fault. <laughs> everybody out there, Walter Rouse, one of my all-time uh, favorite student athletes, to, uh, no matter what level, no matter what sport it is that they're playing. So it certainly is a pleasure. Well, we'll get to uh, all of the talks about football and all of the other things about in a moment here. but before we get to that we like to talk to student athletes about music you know i'm getting old out here i don't really know what's hot in the streets no more so i gotta ask you Walt, give me your top five all-time musical artists oh top five all time all time yep okay all right so for me uh i'm gonna have to go one with uh j cole uh then i'm gonna go with eminem Jay-Z. Uh, then I'm going to have to say, uh, let's see. And y'all might know this side because I listen uh, to, uh, with my dad, Eric B. and Rakim. I don't know if you guys know about them, but. Oh, yeah. Because uh, I listen with my dad. Yes. Eric B. and Rakim. And then I also have to say, uh, it'll be two, uh, Tupac as well. So, those five. Two good lists. Appreciate that. Yeah, I know it's a, might be, and I might be, I know Tupac, you know, at five is, I, there's open for debate and whatnot, but that it turns just all five together. That's, that's my list right there. Rouse, I, look, I'm 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 damn near forty, bro. So I definitely know who Eric B. Rock is. Uh, Darrell, you know, Darrell is into the mumble rap and whatnot. I, I think he's with 
little Yachty and little Shotty and all of those other little guys. I, I don't know nothing about them. Hey, hey, that's not you. You know, you you come up with all these excuses every show. You know, that's not me, though, Chad. <laughs> All right. Well, look, first of all, uh, I want to congratulate you on uh, some of your most recent accomplishments on the football field. Of course, you were most recently named outlet watch list. That, of course, is uh, the most dominant, highest performing offensive lineman. And again, you're just a junior getting there. I want to take you back, though, bro. The first time that I met you, I believe that uh, you are a rising, uh, you're a rising junior at that point in high school, I believe. I saw you. You were this uh, phenomenal-looking uh, young man. But I got to be honest with you, bro. After I talked to you, you were so wise. You were so smart. You were so intelligent that I said, that young man is going somewhere in life. It's just probably not in football. So for you, how did you work on yourself to make it from there to as good as you are now? And are you surprised at all? Um, I definitely say I had surprised myself in terms of uh, where I am right now and how far I've come, you know, since uh, my high school days in Sidwell. And, you know, each each year I've just gotten better and better at football and my love for the game has just really grown. And I think because of that, my love for the game, that's how I've been able to excel um, both on and off the field, um, especially coming in as a, fresh, as a freshman and not expecting to play, but just getting thrown in. And uh, having started ever since, playing every single game um, I've been in at Stanford, um, and ever since then, it's just, you know, I've just skyrocketed. Uh, I just can't wait for the season and just to continue to just get better and better. What does it mean to you to, uh, to make that Outland watch list? Uh, it means a great deal. Uh, each year we have these, uh, at Stanford football, we have uh, these uh, tables that we fill out called, you know, goal ladders, what we want to achieve each season. Um, and as a freshman, uh, for my freshman year, and even as a sophomore, you know, each year I was like, I want to, you know, I want to uh, win the Outland Award trophy. And, you know, even as a freshman, it was like, that's not, that's not even too big for me. You know, I want to do as much as I can, when I can, at, at Stanford, even as, a, even as a freshman. And just to, as a junior, and I put the same, you know, win the uh, Outland Award uh, trophy for my junior year. And to be this time, like, actually recognized and put on the watch list, it means a great deal that, you know, my my the work I put on the field is actually getting noticed, um, and I can't wait can't wait to show out this year. Um, it's actually show how much I've improved from last year. You know, Walter, um, it, there's a lot more that goes into Walter Rouse the person. You know, we we see the football star from the DMV, we see the football star out at Stanford in California, but under the helmet, there's more to a football player. There's a the human aspect of you. So for those of those who are listening who don't know you or who are not as familiar with the story, who is Walter Rouse? Uh, so, you know, Walter Rouse is, uh, you know, as a as a young kid, um, I used to just be this big old gentle giant. That's what people used to say to me because, uh, you know, I was always so kind and polite. But I was just this big dude, you know, through each grade in my life. I was always the biggest kid, tallest kid. Uh, but, you know, I was bumping to someone. I would say, oh, sorry, my bad. And, you know, I had to get away from that, like, because I brought that with me to the basketball court in the football field. Uh, but, yeah, that, like, on, uh, on, off the field, I'm a gentle giant. People say I give the best hugs and whatnot. I just, this big loving guy. I love, <laughs> I love comic books and superheroes. Uh, you know, I got into that with my dad, and we used to uh, watch that all the time. And I still do it. I'm still really much into that. Uh, you know, I love reading, going on walks and photography, uh, you know, taking a couple of photography classes at Stanford. Um, and then, of course, you know, even before I got into football, I've always wanted to be a doctor for as long as I can remember. 
And specifically, I wanted to be a, there's a lot to take in, a cardiothoracic surgeon specializing in pediatrics. Um, and then you know, finding my major biomechanical engineering, thinking that's the best way to get to that point um, uh, at Stanford. And then, you know, now I'm really getting into football and then, you know, uh, aspirations for the NFL, using that to, to get to med school and whatnot. So, you know, aside from the field, that's a little bit about me. Um, and, you know, I'm someone you can come up to anytime and love to talk. And I'm very talkative. You have to talk like as right now, I can keep going on and on and on. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's me. How challenging was it for you? Because when we look at at my hesitation and thinking that you'd make it this far, it's for the reason you just now said there. You were so nice. You're one of the nicest guys that I've ever met in my life. I didn't know that you would ever be able to be nasty like is what is needed in the trenches and at the collegiate level. How difficult was it for you to turn that off and on at the toggle in between? Um, I, I just think that's really started from high school and uh, just – just really trying to get away from it each and every year. And then really, like, for me, it happened uh, my freshman year of, of college, you know, when I just got thrown in, and there was no – you couldn't be nice at all. You could be nice if you cost, them, <laughs> you cost your team the game. Uh, and so, you know, I had to you – know, no no helping people up or asking them, they okay, you know, it's, it's time to – you got to get away from that. And I feel like I've been doing better each and every year, you know, finishing through blocks, you know, pancaking people. Um, you know, this and this year I can't I can't wait to do that and show more of my meaner side. Because you know, still people people still think of me sometimes uh as a you know gentle giant on the field and how I can be more aggressive and I can't wait to show that uh, uh show that on the field. You know, Walter, you, you just gave a perfect description of, of who you are, and obviously you know yourself best, but you know, for people who don't know you or your story, you just went right into it and, and it really it brought to light. You know what? What? What's really underneath the helmet of a football player, especially a football player as good as you? So, I mean, that's why we brought you on, and that's why we wanted to to get more in depth with that. And and with that, you alluded to your major and the fact that you 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 always knew that you wanted to be in the medical field. And you're you're a, a biomechanical engineering major at Stanford. You're playing football, and you're at one of the top schools in the country. So for perspective, to kind of get into your head and, and kind of get into the life of a college athlete, can you, can you take us through like a, a typical day for you at, at Stanford, maybe during the height of football season, what, what a day for Walter Rouse or for your teammates may look like? Absolutely. Uh, so I'll take you to uh, what I did, had to do for my freshman year because, you know, my sophomore year we were in the pandemic and whatnot, and that was all off. But so freshman year, um, we would get up around 6 a.m. or whatnot. We would have to go in for uh, a lift. Then we would go to some meetings quick and early in the day. And then for meetings, we would head to class. And that's when we had the bulk of our classes, maybe two to three classes a day. And from there, we would go to um, we would go to practice. And that practice would last around maybe two to three hours. And that would, depending on the day, end around five or six o'clock. Uh, then for, from there, um, we'll maybe have meetings and then head to dinner. Uh, and so it's usually like that every single uh, day during the week, especially during the season. Um, now, each day was, would be a little different in terms of Monday. Uh, the practice might not be as long because we're coming off of game day. Uh, then Tuesday and Wednesdays are our, our work days. And so that's when I like, practice around closer to three hours with full pads, putting in that work. Thursday will be around the walkthrough uh, in the stadium. And then Friday, we call the Fast Fridays, uh, where we're having the shock pads on just to get the juices flowing right before a game day. On Saturday, and of course, Saturday is the game, and Sunday is a recovery day. And so we would do that for, you know, from uh, September to December, and then, you know, 
hopefully this year into late January, uh, early January. So that's what a oh, yeah. season would look like for us. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the recent changes that that um, uh, have come to light in college sports in terms of student athletes being um, receiving compensation for their names and likenesses being used. And I know I don't know how much you can speak on it, or or um, you know what you're willing to offer, but you know that that's such a huge deal, not only for athletes but for the NCAA and you know the structure of the organization itself. How do you think this new rule, this new um, this new really gain of leverage for student athletes, will impact in the near future? Do you think it'll be more of a positive thing or more of a negative thing? I definitely think I mean, it can go both way, both ways, but I think it could be more of a positive thing for athletes in general, um, especially if you just because of all we've talked about in terms of athletes putting their bodies on the line um, and then playing each day, day in, day out, and you're not being able to like uh, make money off, off their name and likeness. Uh, and I think there's so much potential that you can have uh, with this new deal coming in and partnering with certain companies and the type of platforms that athletes have. I feel like they can now have a greater reach to uh, certain people and especially across the world. Um, and definitely for me, I think, you know, there's plenty of opportunities for me and not, not just to make money, but just like to reach out to certain companies and see how I can, you know, I see something in them. And I think that we could have a great partnership and, you know, we could reach out to different people and help certain people out. So I definitely think, and they, you know, some people will say that there could be some negative effects to that. And I won't um, say that's, you know, not true, but I definitely think the upside is much uh, higher than the downside. To all of our uh, our friends and family corporate sponsors here in the deep that are watching this right now, there is no better potential corporate pitchman than Walter Rouse. That is Outland Trophy Watchlist nominee Walter Rouse. Definitely hit him up if uh, if you want him in a commercial or something like that. Uh, well, you are you are a graduate of Sidwell. Uh, shout out to the entire uh, Sidwell alum base, the entire Sidwell uh, student faculty. I love everybody out there. Uh, that means that you are a student athlete from the Washington D.C. area. As much as we have uh, positive things to talk about with you and all the great things that are going on in your life, we've got some very dangerous times right now, especially for young black males in Washington, D.C. We've got crime, particularly gun violence, on the rise in the district. What are your thoughts? I know that you're from, an, from afar, but when you hear about these shootings, three, four people getting killed at one time, in one night, when you hear about these shootings and all of the crime in D.C., what are your thoughts? What are your reflections, even from afar? When I when these like first started to um, like when it's like we started these started to gain national attention and whatnot years ago, you know, you really come to like, oh, this is a shock to you. You're surprised, like, how could this happen? And it, and it, what hurts me is the fact that as the years go on, like you see it. And like, you know, you feel bad for what happened, but it's the fact that people are not surprised and shocked that it happened. Like, that's a huge problem that we're like, oh, it happens and we move on to the next thing. We can't allow that to happen. Rouse, I, I was talking to uh, Coach Mike Hunter at Friendship, and he said that it's getting to the point now that he feels like his young men are numb to the effect. Yes. That they hear it, they say RIP for a few days, and then you just go on about life. Is that kind of what you're saying? I, I think that is absolutely true. Uh, and that's a perfect word. Uh, people are getting numb to the situation, to what's going on. And, and that absolutely cannot happen because of the, the amount of times that this is happening, um, especially in the D.C. area and around the country. 
the fact that people are getting numb is allowing this to happen more. We need to, we can't be numb. We have to be more aware, alert. We have to, you know, keep uh, posting things on social media. We can't just post things on social media and say, okay, I'm done with it. You know, I support people on social media, but, you know, as a true person, and I'm not really with it. You have to be, you have to be able to go all in. And especially for uh, young uh, African-American males and boys around this country who are, you know, getting shot, uh, shot down and uh, getting killed. It's just, it's so hurtful to see. And, and, and I feel like we could do so much more with what we're doing. And especially in during the pandemic, there was such a movement that we had. Um, and I feel like because of the pandemic, a lot of people were almost like forced to see what was going on in this country. And it was really eye opening for a lot of people, but we just need to keep that momentum going forward and not let that die down. And of course, one of the things that comes with all of the, uh, the, the, the gun violence and the deaths in the district is, uh, is what we call emotional trauma, right? And trauma is something that weighs heavily on our uh, young black males, particularly uh, mental health is something that is at the forefront, whether we're talking about uh, the young lady tennis player, whether we're talking about uh, Simone Biles as well, mental health matters. I want to speak to you about mental health because I, I, I know that, that recently that you did lose your father. And I know that your father meant a ton to you, but you still had to keep going. You had to still keep moving on with life, whether it'll be that school or athletics. So for all of the young men out there that are dealing with mental health issues, albeit violence, losses of loved ones, what words of advice do you have for them in terms of getting help? in terms of uh, not bottling that up, what would you say to the young man that's dealing with some things? For me, I would say one thing that I did and I would re uh, strongly recommend not to do is I did keep things bottled up. I, I did not share my feelings because I thought I could keep it contained and I didn't need to uh, share my pain with my loved ones or um, like my best friends. Like I, I, I thought that, oh, I can handle it all myself. And that is something that you cannot do. You can't, you, and it's okay that you can't do this alone. You have people around you that want to help you, that love you. And honestly, let them in. Let, let them give you your, their love and support. Because uh, when you do that, you can able, you're able to share that pain with them. And they'll help, you, uh, they'll help you get through what you're going through. You know, I'm still going through it right now. You know, I think about my dad every day. But because I have the, uh, the love and support system that I have right now, I'm able to keep going through that each and every day. Um, and, you know, when my dad had first um, passed away back in early, uh, late tw uh, 2019, December, um, it was I was like I was just kept all that bottled up. And when I realized I had need to start sharing more and talking about it, uh, that's when I started to feel a little bit better. And I could actually move move on, um, or not move on, but um, it's just started to, you know, keep going through life without being, you know, bogged down by so much pain and grief that I couldn't even, you know, do my regular uh, things during school or even football. I tell you what, bro, I, I lost my father damn near 10 years ago. And I, I don't think, you know, because as a man, right, these, these are the things that happen to us. We're taught as men to be tough. Yeah. We're taught to be strong. We're taught that men don't cry. We're mm -hmm. taught that men have to, uh, you know, be there for everybody else. And that's what I did for years. And it uh, and it messed with me. And, I, and, and I'm still dealing with it now, 10 years later. So what was the moment? Like, like, what was the moment for you where it said, you know what? Like, I got to change the way that I'm going about this. I have to open up to talk about this. Um, so for me, I would say, uh, and this is still hard to talk about um, even until this day, but I was, um, I was at school, actually, and I was uh, 
coming back, it was the winter quarter, and I'm in my dorm, and, you know, I don't know how it happened, but I found my dad's, uh, I don't know, I was on social media, then I got on my dad's Facebook page, um, and started looking through all the pictures that he had of me, and, you know, all, I mean, if you go on his page, he really is all just me and whatnot, and then this is how much, uh, how proud he was of me, and, you know, it really, like, it really hit me like, like a brick wall, like a train, and so I started just to break down, and I really, like, I needed someone. I needed someone to be there with me because I was all all alone. Because I started to push people away, and I like I didn't really need anyone. Uh, but I, right then and there, I was like, okay, I can't. I, I can't let all this keep happening. I can't let it have you keep having these breakdowns because uh, I need someone to be there with me. I need someone to help go help me with this. Um, and that was really the moment for me. And I've had and I've had like some of those breakdowns before, uh, again after that, but. I I had people with me then that allowed me to get through it and talk uh, talk about it with with them, uh, which really helped me into like getting to where I am right now. First of all, also a uh, shout out to your mother. You know, I'm a huge fan of your mother. So uh, so so to everybody out there, Walter Brown says from this mother as well, yeah. and to all of our young men, young ladies that are watching, mental health matters. Do not do like I did for ten years. Like Walter Rouse did, and try to bottle this up. Find someone. I was just gonna say whether it's one person um, or it's many people. Um, it's 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 base. It's really up to you how how many people you want to let in your circle and how many people that like, you want to share this with. And for me, you know, definitely it was it was my mom who was my biggest supporter um, at the time and still is right now. Um, who was you know was able to keep me going and who was my who was my rock um, in this um, when I was going through it. And you know what? It's, I think it says a lot, Walter coming on here, you know, in front of our audience and, and speaking to so many people who may be dealing this, with the same thing you're dealing with and being so, so open and, and, and uh, being so vulnerable and letting us into what you're thinking and what you're experiencing. Um, it's big. It's big time. That, that's so why that, we got that, him we, here. We appreciate that's that, Walter. Um, that's, that's why we got him here. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and on this podcast, we, I want to, we want to get into knowing you a little bit more. So we have something that, that Chad and I do. It's called the two-minute drill. Um, it's a chance for us to get to know you better, for our listeners and our audience to get to know you better. Um, it's basically it's a rapid-fire game we play. We put two minutes on the clock, and I'm going to ask you some some rapid-fire questions. Whatever comes to your mind, let us know. It's, it's, a, it's a chance to have a bit of fun. Yeah, let's do it. I'm going to put two minutes on the clock starting now, first question, what is the best part about Stanford? The teachers and academics and then football. What are your hobbies outside of football? So definitely love comic books, reading comic books and going uh, to see superhero movies. And I also love photography. Awesome. Your most memorable game, either high school or college? My freshman year of uh, high school, I'll be won the, the DCSA uh, state championship. And we were uh, playing Eastern High School. We were not supposed to win that game at all. But that was a surreal moment as a freshman. And I'd say the UCLA game as a college and a sophomore it was a close second. What is your go-to pregame meal? When I was a pescetarian, and I had loved that, I had a good um, salmon, uh, some uh, broccoli, rice, uh, and then uh, when I was uh, left being a pescetarian, the prime rib, the steak, oh, so good. Uh, I have to go with uh, those two things right there. You just gave me a dinner idea for tonight. What's your what's your go-to pregame song? Uh, undeniable. Uh, uh, who is it? Uh, yeah, undeniable. What person motivates you the most? My mom. My mom motivates me the most. Awesome. 
figured that would be your answer, and that's a great answer because we love her. Um, what is your greatest achievement in life? Ooh, my greatest. For right now, I would say uh, two things. One, um, getting into Stanford University was so big for me because it's a school I've been wanting to go to for so long, and also be becoming an Eagle Scout because uh, that's something I've been doing since I was a Tiger Cub in first grade. And mo- I've spent half my life doing that, and then finally become an Eagle Scout uh, to e- achieve that such a high level uh, respect and integrity. That uh, that was big for me as well. I saw that on your uh, your profile on Stanford's website that you were an Eagle Scout. That's awesome. Uh, last question: How can our audience and people who watch the podcast or listen to the podcast connect with you? Uh, you can connect with me through my Twitter. Uh, and my Instagram, those are the, uh, I am on Facebook, but not really on it too much. So Twitter, Instagram, the best place to, you know, if you want to DM me, I always try to respond. Uh, those are the best places to reach me. And we can just watch you on TV. That's, that's the easiest way, I think. Yes, sir. You can do that. Thank you, Walter. Two, two oh seven. Okay, great. Hey, hey, Rouse, I got to challenge you. I got to pull your card right now. You're telling me that a freshman football game at Sidwell was bigger to you than winning uh, the DCSAA championship on two buzzer beaters in basketball? Oh, I thought we were just talking about football. <laughs> hey, hey, you you are multi-platform, oh. multi-function <laughs> student athlete. You can talk about whatever you want to. Okay, with uh, branching out, okay, yeah, I'm going to have to put that game, one of the best games in the DMV. The, hey, we were supposed to, we were meant to win that game. We had two buzzer beaters back-to-back. That was one of the, that was like the best game of my life uh, of college basketball football. And it was so good to be a part of that game. Greatest game that I have ever been a part of. And, and I was calling it. it. It was phenomenal. <laughs> yes, sir. It was. Oh, man. I, I still have a high high sometimes off of that game. <laughs> Me too. Me too. Go, go Sidwell. Don't tell nobody else in the DMV I said that, but go Sidwell. Walter Rouse, thank you so very much for uh, for stopping by the podcast, brother. And again, for any and everybody out there, if you need a representative, a quality young man, student athlete, Walter Rouse of Stanford will handle all you, of your Thanks needs. For NIL on. in full effect. Thank you for having me. You guys have a great day now. First and talk.